Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, we come to church, and these are special times of celebrating Jesus' birth and celebrating a Savior. But I was thinking about how when we practice something, we get better and better at it. I was remember, remembering when I was uh, started driving in uh, 1977, over a period of 10, 15 years, I got better and better at driving. And I think of how God made a spirit and soul and body, and yet, like even the song we sang earlier about, you know, the seeing God above the waves, there's often so many distractions for us growing and getting stronger in our relationship with God by developing our spirit that we're just too busy. But the more we practice His presence, the more we put ourselves in the environment of the Word of God and of His presence, our spirit gets stronger and stronger, and our connection with Jesus gets better and better. And practicing the presence, practicing being there. It's interesting that yesterday, even in the men's Bible study, there was two different comments. One person said, you know, from a very early age, my heart was open and I could experience God, but I didn't have a lot of the Word of God read to me, or I didn't read a lot of the Word of God. And then another person said, well, you know what? As I read the Word of God, my heart starts getting affected. And again, this world, it has so many distractions and there are so many problems bombarding us. And yet when we keep taking time to connect with our Savior, our spirit begins to get softer and softer and our heart gets softer and softer. We experience the presence of God and we experience this Savior, this, this one who loves us unconditionally in a way that we're able to receive him and we're, be able, we're able to interact with him, we're able to enjoy it. We're able to look at people differently. We're able to reconcile our relationships better because the love of God is softening our hearts. And we're receiving forgiveness in our relationship with Christ. It plays out in relationships with other people that we might have that reconciliation. And just the few words I, I want to just say as we finish up and then have communion. I'm hoping that the truths of God's word will penetrate your heart. Again, the word of God comes through our mind and we have different feelings going on, different problems that we're facing, different things that we wonder if God is there. And yet, as we let God's word come in, as we open ourselves up and position ourselves to receive from him, we find that God profoundly moves upon our heart and our spirit. Christmas is the day we celebrate the salvation that a Savior has come. Personally, a Savior comes to all of us. We all need a Savior. We all need someone to be accountable to. We sang in that last song about the king. You know, it is hard in our society for us to submit to anyone. We see reasons about their personality, their temperament, or, or their actions that we pull back, and we don't want to serve anyone. But Jesus is a king that can be served. Jesus is one we can open our heart and say, I want to serve you, God, because the love you give me and what you've done for me is so great, and how you move me through my problems and the difficulties of life is worth knowing you as king. It's worth for me to bow before you and to get on my knees and serve you. Jesus, the Savior, introduces us to the word grace. And in the Old Testament and the Strong's Concordance, it is defined as favor. Do you know you're favored? Do you know that when God came and revealed himself to Israel, he brought favor. He brought the revelation of God to a people who began to experience his presence and his power. Graciousness is also a word that describes grace, kindness, beauty, pleasantness, charm, attractiveness. Do you know you're attractive to Jesus? You can think of maybe the worst sin you were involved with or uh, things you did or attitudes you've had. But in God's eyes, you're attracted to him. You're very attractive. You're beautiful to him. Loveliness. 
You're lovely to him. He looks at you with affection and regard. Um, it means also to act graciously or mercifully towards someone, to be compassionate, to be favorable, inclined. God is that to you and me. He's favorably inclined to us. In the New Testament, grace is described and uh, defined in the Greek as joy, to rejoice. Grace signifies unmerited favor, undeserved blessing, a free gift. That's God's grace to all of us. We never deserved it. There's nothing we could do to deserve it. There's nothing we could do even now as Christians. If you accepted Christ, there's nothing you to continue to deserve it. But you have to get in the position to just keep receiving God's grace. Keep receiving God's grace. And when you uh, sin or you fall short, that you ask forgiveness, and that keeps you in the place of receiving God's goodness. It's interesting that um, the angelic host proclaimed, Grace has come. Glory to God in the highest, on on earth peace, goodwill towards men. God's grace extended a, a better will for us, better than what uh, the fall of man passed on to all of us, where sin and a sorrow and pain, that even though we go through the pains and even the sorrows of our sins, there's a restoration. There's a good thing that, that is happening to us by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Our responsibility to believe and receive God's grace. That's what Jesus said. In John 6, 28 through 29, then they, the crowd Jesus had fed, asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And God answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's grace. Believe in God's grace and favor is on you. Not, nothing you can do, nothing you could strive, no amount of prayer, no amount of Bible uh, reading or attendance, but simply receiving the grace of God, receiving the truth of what God thinks about you and what he's done for you and me. In Ephesians 2, 6, and 6 through 9, the Apostle Paul tells us about God's grace. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Have you been oppressed? Have you been put down? Have you been looked down at? Have you been compared to other people who maybe don't have, uh, you don't have the skills that they have? Well, Jesus raised you up. Jesus raised you up higher than any person on earth can raise you, higher than any acceptance from any person can be. And it goes on in verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Has that been an experience you have in coming to Christ that you continue to experience a greater grace, an understanding of grace unfolding in your life? expressed, the grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Wow, what kindness. While we were in sinner, sinners, God sent Jesus to die for us. Before any of us were born, Jesus already went to the cross to pay for our sins so that we might live and experience him and be born again and learn to know him personally. Verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. In the world, they're striving to gain positions or to gain something, and you, you work hard for it, but not with God. You re receive the grace. You're already accepted. You're already seated in that place of favor. Salvation is not trying, but trusting. The word deserve is used freely in our society. I hear it all the time when I watch TV. Oh, you deserve this, or you deserve that. And we have today an entitled society that expects everything to be given to them. 
when really we need to see the depths of our need. And we need to come to a place where I need something more than this world can offer me. I need uh, something more than an accolade I can achieve. I need something more than someone just saying, I'm okay. I need something that touches deep in my spirit. And it's the affirmation of God that I don't deserve it, but yet I'm given that by the love of God, that grace that comes into my heart. We don't prove to God we deserve salvation by working for it. But we accept salvation by faith that we don't deserve it, but what yet we receive it by faith. You know, religion comes into play. So often we go into the religious mode of performance because sometimes we, we don't let our heart connect with God. We don't let the breaking happen so that we are soft in our heart. You know, hard things come, but God uses the hard things in our life to break the pride, to break the self righteousness to break the independence even as christians we can get stronger and stronger and kind of know we're walking in the light we're walking in the grace of god and it's subtle uh, the self-life can get prideful and it can become religious and disconnected with god religion is man's attempt to gain god's favor by performance doing the to-do list oh yeah i prayed an hour today yeah i read my bible yes i was i did some good deeds in our society, uh, humanitarianism is, is more than, a, than anything. And at any time in the past, people are doing all kinds of good deeds. But it's knowing Jesus. It's knowing the grace of God and receiving that grace of God is what's going to help us be able to give from our heart and be giving to others. We are familiar with conditional love. How many of us ra were raised with conditional love? which depended on how we acted, what we looked like, what we said, how we dressed, what we do. But God's love is not conditional. It's unconditional. And that's a concept that has to be really uh, continually addressed because so much of our life is involved with conditions. So many things are conditions. You know, there's contracts, there's uh, rules, and there's all these conditions that come in that we live with that can affect how we think and how we look at God. But God's love is unconditional. It's unchanging, even though it's undeserved. Religion is based on the word do. Salvation in Jesus Christ is based on the word done. Jesus' last words, it is finished in John 19.30. When he hung on that cross, he had fulfilled all the laws and all the requirements that stood as a barrier to us in a relationship with God. But Jesus paid it for us that we might have a relationship with God through him. What did Jesus finish for you? In Colossians 2.14, Jesus, having counseled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Every law that would stand between you and God, everything that sometimes the enemy uses in your mind to distance you from your relationship with God and that love in his heart, he, it was nailed to the cross. You don't have to listen to any accusations anymore. Because Jesus paid for you. All of your sins and punishment that was due for them, paid in full. Your old nature was done away with. Death sentence passed upon it. Our separation from our loving Heavenly Father ended. Our aloneness, our shame, and our guilt was dealt with when Jesus went to the cross. In 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that, leave what, that we love God, but that He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think the biggest thing that's been on my heart 
a lot since, since, you know, accepting the call to pastor was like knowing, seeing people and knowing that God has so much more for you, that there is so much love, so much unconditional love for you. You know, we went into the jail the other night and uh, just to see some of the people who were, were in our, our home. There were, I saw four people that were in our men's home three years ago in there. And to see them, yes, they're kind of in their cycle, but all of them, they're, even though they keep falling, there's something igniting in them knowing that Jesus is the answer. They're getting the message that they've got to have Jesus to change their life. And what a powerful thing to, to know that we can invest in other people as a body of Christ, as believers, that we can invest in others, that they might know what we know, that they might experience the love of God that we've got a chance to experience, that they might have their sins forgiven and have a hope to live a different life. Excuse me, I'm really feeling God today, and my heart is soft before Him. The gift to meet your need. In 2 Peter 1, 3, by His divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. You know, sometimes when you might hear a message like this or think like, wow, you know, God wants to really know me and he wants to be more involved in my life. And we think like, what's it going to cost me? You know, God is so gracious that as you give more and more of yourself to him and as you develop your spirit, whatever he asks you to do, he gives you grace to do it. He gives you grace to step into places that you were a little fearful, but then you begin to see a whole new world opened up to you because when you're connected with God and your spirit is growing just like your mind, your will, and your emotions, then you find that you really are the person that God has recreated you to be in Christ Jesus. Your Christmas gift is Jesus, received by grace through your faith. Would um, our, those who are going to pass out communion begin to pass out the elements? Before we take communion today, this verse has been on my heart all week. In John 19, 16 through 18, from the Amplified, this is Jesus. He had been sentenced. The false witnesses had spoken against him. Pilate had the final say over what was going to happen to Jesus. And being persuaded by the crowd and because it was the will of God that Jesus died for us, Pilate says, Then Pilate delivered Jesus over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. So we went out bearing his own cross to the spot called the place of the skull. In Hebrew, it is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. When Jesus was crucified, we also were crucified. He died to sin. He died for all sins. He died to separate the disconnection that was between us and God, the spiritual disconnect, because we were dead spiritually. And when he died, he ended. He tore down that barrier, that, that temple, the veil signified the barrier, but it was a very big spiritual barrier that separated us from God. And he said it was done. And when he was crucified, he opened the door of faith. He opened the door of relationship. He opened the unconditional door of love that we might experience God to the fullest. As much as we will open our heart to experience God, we can receive him. We can know his love. And my, our prayer is 
And, and the prayers that we are always praying for you is that you will so feel God's love today. God, I just pray that you would pour out your love upon all of us, God, that that is the greatest gift, your love and who you are and that invitation to relationship, that this would be the best Christmas we ever had because we're a deeper fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I shared in his crucifixion. It's realizing that I am in Christ. I've accepted him, but I am really dead. I'm dead to unbelief. I'm dead to the sins and things of the past that bring shame and separation. Dead to, to different addictions that try to separate me from God. Uh, dead to different things that we do in ourselves to, to fill up the emptiness that we have because we've been separated from God because our spirit has been dead. Dead to the lies of the enemy that disqualify us or uh, cause us to be uh, shameful of something we have did that was wrong. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. Well, does that mean I, I cease to become a person? No, it just means the power of life that comes from God that Adam and Eve originally had is returned to you so that you could really have all the potential to meet, be all the person you could be because your whole spirit, soul, and body, you're not deformed uh, in your spirit. You're not shut down. You're not dead in your spirit, but you're alive in your spirit, and you're drawing on that connection with God, the Messiah. And so having Jesus does not limit you, but he breaks and takes off all the limits that have been placed on your life. Every word that was spoken to you that's been negative, every event, every rejection, every abandonment, everything that you've gone through that was horrendous, it is Jesus that causes you to rise above all of those things. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence to and reliance on the complete trust in him, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I, I find I said this last week, I'll say it again. Why would we not invest more in someone who gave up so much that we might have love and have eternal life? And Jesus did one more step beyond that. He came back unlike no other figure, no other religious figure. If you uh, find any, any famous uh, religious leaders in the world who were other, other religions, they all have a grave. They all have a place that they're buried. But Jesus' tomb was emptied because he rose from the dead and he showed himself to over 500 people that, that he was alive of a proof. And I know he's alive because he came into my heart when I wasn't looking for him. He gave me his love when I necessarily wasn't wanting it. And he allowed me to accept him and become born again and to be able to grow in these 57 years to grow and to get to know him more and more and to love him and to find like be overwhelmed at times like how his love would just come upon me and just fill me. So we're taking the bread today. It represents the body of Jesus. It was broken for you, broken for your sins, broken for your brokenness, broken for every place that has tried to discourage and hurt you, every rejection you've gone through. It was broken for you. Please take it now in faith. The Bible said that the life is in the blood. And if you just even did a little, a little um, investigation about what the blood does, it is such an incredible, miraculous living thing that God has put in our bodies. 
And it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from sin. It is the blood of Jesus that continually cleanses us from sin and allows us to go right before the throne of God because his blood covers us and it washes us. His blood allows us to go right into the presence of God. And so we take it as believers in faith. The Bible says that he cancels the power of sin. My sins are iniquities, which means our generational bends to sin, the things that are easy for us to do in our old nature, that we find ourselves doing those things that we, we don't want to do. That The power of the cross breaks iniquities. It breaks the sin bends. And I felt like I was supposed to ask today, since I've been crucified with Christ and you've been crucified with Christ, what can we walk away from today that we know is not right in our life? The power to do that comes through the Holy Spirit and through our faith in Jesus Christ that we are continually in this place of transformation. And I believe there's places we're all going to be able to walk from and be different today because of our relationship with Christ and because of our communion. The baby Jesus grew up and was crucified to give us gifts of freedom. Christmas, the birth of Jesus, would have no meaning without his resurrection. The presence, the joy of this season is that Jesus lives and he lives inside you and me. Will you stand with me? Hmm? Oh. Let's pray and then there's another song. Why don't you just close your eyes and just focus on you and God right now. Lord, we just are here and we want to be just so open with you. God, we want to be so filled today with your love. Lord, when we're filled with your love and our heart is open, we're able, more able, better to honor you, God, especially over your birthday and over what you've done. God, I pray for every person here that you would just pour your love into us, God. I pray against every distraction. I pray against every thought. I pray against everything that's come against um, our the truth of your word and what's tried to change us, Lord, or I pray against philosophies that have been uh, forced down our throat, Lord, and forced into our mind that causes us to run from you. I pray you'd break off every fear of you and every fear of surrendering our lives to you. And I pray there'd just be a great hope deposited in us today, a great faith. I ask it in Jesus' name. You may be seated.
And those girls are sick. <laughs> Thank you so much, girls. All right, you guys, you're dismissed. Have a great holiday season.